LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Adkins. Today, I'm here with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And we have a very special oh, guest. Man. This, As I know yes. they're all special. <laughs> and even Carly was like, are you saying that every other interview wasn't special because you said mine was special? No, no, no. no. I said we're excited. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, so you're not always excited? I'm like, well, to be honest, uh, yeah. Yes, always excited. So this is Carly Fiorina. Now, Carly is the former CEO of Hewlett Packard and the founder of the Unlocking Potential Foundation. She's re- recently written a new book, Find Your Way, Unleash Your Power and Highest Potential. And we're going right. to be getting into the book and, and speaking yeah, yeah. a little bit about it. But the but as you all know, this is the Five Leadership Questions podcast. Totally. We're going to be so running we're gonna use the through. five leadership questions all the way through. I think at first she was like, I'm not sure what who these guys are. <laughs> Initially, what are these yes. guys up to? Yes. But I would really encourage you. I mean, she she really unpacks a lot at the end about um, fear and about confidence and several other things that I think, you know, yeah. like she said, hey, one thing we all have in common is we're all afraid of something. Mm. And how to lead in the midst of that, yeah. how to lead in the midst of a fear of disappointing others. Uh, the interview is fascinating as she dove deep into that and also addressed the idea of pastoral succession. Right. And how to, you know, what, how leadership changes when you become the lead or the senior pastor or the right. lead of your organization, which she very, yeah. she knows very familiarly. Well, and you're <laughs> like, okay, so she's a middle child and she became the first CEO, female CEO of a Fortune 50 company. Yes. That's legit right there. <laughs> so she just explodes all all uh, expectations. Yeah. So buckle up. You're gonna you're gonna love this interview. And here it is with Carly Fiorina. Thanks, Carly, for being on the podcast with us. It's my pleasure to be with both of you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, well, before before we get into the questions, we'd love for you to just give our listeners a snapshot of this book and and why you wrote it. Find Your Way is about unlocking your own potential and maximizing your own power for impact in the world. I think people are very confused these days about what leadership really is. I think we assume that if somebody has a title or a position or fame or wealth, that they must be a leader. But in fact, leadership isn't defined by position or title or wealth or fame. It's defined by what comes from within and how each of us use our own potential for positive impact in the world. And so I titled this book, Find Your Way, because I know that every person has more God-given potential than they realize. And that the journey of life is really about finding that potential, tapping that potential and living our life with purpose to our fullest potential. Hmm. And that's what this book is about. So uh, just to give us a little bit more background too, I mean, you were the first female CEO of a Fortune 50 company. So how did you find your way into that position? I mean, how did you, uh, as a a female in that timeframe, come through that leadership pipeline? Like, what did that look like? Well, in fact, that's what the book is about. Mm. Um, People assume I started my business career as a secretary. I typed for a nine person real estate firm. 
I typed and answered the phones. That was my start in business. Mm. And so people assume when they hear, oh, she went from secretary to CEO, that I must have had this plan. And I didn't. Mm. What I did instead, because actually I thought I'd get fired any second, you know, because I felt initially so unqualified for what I was doing. Uh, I dropped out of law school and got a degree in medieval philosophy. Yes. So, yeah, you know, so. <laughs> I was a um, philosophy major too. Well, there you go. We yeah. can survive and even thrive. <laughs> but the point is, um, I never had a plan to become a CEO. What I did was see problems all around me. I saw possibilities in the people all around me. And together we collaborated to solve some of those problems and change the order of things for the better. Mm. It's that fundamental. That's been the path that I've always charted. And what I learned in the course of that is that if you do a good job and solve problems and change the order of things for the better and have an impact, opportunity will knock. But I also learned that people closest to problems know best how to solve them if they're given the opportunity to do so and if their own potential can be unlocked. Mm. And I learned I love doing that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I love how you've uh, captured that in your book, Find Your Way. Now, the thing with our questions is we like to go a little bit behind the scenes and, and, and learn more about the person, Carly Fiorina. So Todd, why don't you take us away with the first question? So that you already talked about learning uh, along the way, but who are you currently learning from? I'm currently learning from the wonderful young people who work in my office. Hmm. They're not that young, but they're younger than me and the clients that we serve. And, you know, I say that because literally um, four of us um, just had lunch in the office before we got on this podcast. And uh, they have a different set of experiences than I do in addition to being younger and just listening to them talk about how they see things and how they process things. I learned a lot. I always do. And every time we go work with a new client, whether it's the homeless community in Washington, DC, or it's a set of wounded vets, every time we work with clients, I'm lifted up. Uh, I have my own podcast called By Example, and last week I interviewed Captain Ron Johnson, who was the uh, focal point during all the riots in Ferguson. Boy, did I learn a lot from him. Mm. So I hope I learn from everyone I encounter. Yeah. Now, are you referring to the Unlocking Potential Foundation that you that you founded? Yes. Okay. Unlocking Potential is really focused on doing work in the nonprofit sector okay. uh, with people who are struggling with a lot of festering problems and don't always get the same investment in their talent that, for example, they might get if they were in the corporate world. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Well, as you, um, are, there, are there particular, I mean, we're, as, as you're talking about the younger leaders that are that you are working with, I'm curious before we get to our next question, if there's a particular type of leader that you look for when you're hiring, because uh, I mean you've led at at so many different levels and in massive organizations and you know with startups and with everything. So I mean I, I would I'm just curious to kind of get into your mind when you look at hiring and team members and all that. 
So what I would say is that in most jobs, a set of skills is important. So uh, you look for someone who is competent for the position. But truthfully, that to me is table stakes. Mm. What really distinguishes for me someone I want on the team from someone who's just competent is someone who has, I look for someone who has courage, who has character, who's humble enough and empathetic enough to be able to collaborate with others, and somebody who can see possibilities in every set of circumstances. I talk about all of those things in Find Your Way, but if you think about courage and character and humility, empathy and seeing possibilities, those are all human qualities Mm. that we can choose to have or not, choose to use or not. And I look for those things because I know people who possess those qualities, who use those characteristics are going to have a bigger impact, are going to be better leaders. It's foundational to leadership, actually. And on top of everything else, they're going to be more fun to work with. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. So when you, when you look at your leadership team then right now, and, and maybe for the unlocking potential foundation, um, what would you say the main point of emphasis right now is for, for you all? I think two things, actually, that's a really good question. Uh, The first is we believe based on experience and everyone who joins this team has to share in the belief that everyone has more potential than they realize Mm. and that people are not defined by their appearance, their circumstances, their beliefs. They are defined by their God-given potential and how they choose to use that. And so um, we go into circumstances where a lot of people would just dismiss the people we're working with and say, there's nothing here. And yet there's always something there. So that's the first thing we focus on. The second thing we focus on is that people closest to the problem know best how to solve it. Mm -hmm. It's always true. So, you know, I mentioned we do work in the homeless community. There are people far away from that situation who think they know what would make a difference if you really want to know what would make something better, ask someone who's close to it, who's dealing with it, who's experiencing it, and then listen to what they tell you. Yeah. In your experience doing that and, and with clients, what, what has been a surprise um, piece of feedback or thought or solution that you and your team might have not come up with? Well, it's interesting. When we go into a situation, we never bring a solution and we don't define the problem. So what we say explicitly to clients, whether it's an individual or a team or an organization, is we're not going to tell you your problems and we're not going to give you your solutions. Hmm. Because you actually know what your problems are and you can figure out the solutions. What we're there to do is to help them unlock the capacity they actually have within themselves and among themselves to make progress 
and change the order of things for the better. And so we're always surprised by what a team chooses to focus on. We're always surprised by the solutions they come up with. But that's why I said at the outset, we truly believe that the people closest to the problem know best how to solve it. So we're invited in and we help them, catalyze them, if you will, to make progress on the problems they think are most important to them. Yeah, I love that. So let's shift gears for a moment and just talk about um, what lies beneath again to help make you uh, a good, successful leader. So the third question we always ask is, what are one or two things that you do every day that really helps you lead well? Every day in the morning before my day begins, I have to have a time for prayer, for reflection, reflection and prayer about the day to come, about the day perhaps I finished yesterday. I have to have time to pray and center myself. Mm. And if that means that I don't get as much sleep, that's what it means. Because the days, and they're very few, but the days when somehow I've skipped that step, I'm just not right all day. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Is that um, after after you have those moments, or, or I mean, even before that, those days that you that you do end up skipping it or, or you do end up missing it, what what is it that kind of cues you into or, or what, what maybe is, is your thinking affected? Is your planning, your judgment affected? I mean, what, what, what kind of triggers you uh, to notice that? Yeah, it's interesting because it hasn't happened for quite a long time, but I think, I think what I would say is I don't have the same focus. Um, I feel distracted. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the things that's really important for all of us to maximize our impact and our potential is to really be such an overused word, but it's true, present in what's going on right in front of you, right mm -hmm. around you. And what I find is if I skip steps, I'm not focused in that same way. I'm, you know, thinking about too many things at once or trying to be somewhere I'm not. And then I don't bring all of myself to the situation and I can't see or hear everything that the situation is presenting to me. Yeah, that's a really good point. Is there another thing, uh, another one or two things that you do on a daily base, uh, basis? That, that affect positively affect your life and leadership? Well, I also wake up every morning and I have to do this in the morning and have, you know, quiet time with my husband and our two dogs. You know, I have to have a little family time. Our, our daughter's grown and our granddaughters live nearby, but I don't see them every morning. But I see my husband and my dogs virtually every morning. And um, I, I think the other thing I have to do virtually every day is exercise. Um, strong body, strong mind, the sound body, sound mind, the Greeks <laughs> yeah. used to say. And yeah. if, if I don't feel physically fit, I don't think or feel as well. And I guess the final thing I would say is I have to look at something beautiful. 
um, for me, it's nature, but I have to look out and see a beautiful tree or the water or a bird, just something beautiful to remind me of God's grace and all the beauty in the world. I love that. So I'm going to veer off for a moment here. You know, one of the things that um, I saw in the book was choosing a path over a plan. Um, and, And so can you talk about that? I mean, you know, part of, I think, well, I don't want to, I don't want to lean too much into that, but I do want to ask, what do you mean by that? And is that part of what we're seeing here in the the way that you spend your life? I hope so. Yes. I try to choose a path every day, not a plan. Um, I mentioned several minutes ago, I never had a plan to be a CEO. I didn't have a plan to run for president the day I dropped out of law school, I realized, oh my gosh, I don't have a plan for my life. (laughs) And I haven't since, but what I've tried to do is stay on a path, a path of character and courage, humility, empathy, a path to see the possibilities around me, a path of faithfulness, a path of love, a path looking for moments of grace. Uh, and what I have learned in my life is that if we can stay on the path of being true to who we are, to fulfilling our potential, to being alert to the possibilities for positive impact that are around us every minute of every day, to seeing the possibilities in other people, things happen. Good things happen. Yeah. I love that. Now, Carly, it's, it's interesting. Um, I'm not too familiar with that transition. Uh, the transition where you went to becoming the CEO of, of Hewlett Packard, Packard, you know, that last, um, that final step toward that. He's Canadian. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, but you know, the reason I bring that up is when you read the stats, I mean, there are what 10,000 boomers reaching the age of retirement every single day. And for a lot of our listeners, they might be in the position of in their church becoming or, or looking at succession, becoming the next senior pastor, moving from associate to a senior role or, or maybe stepping out and, and, you know, making that step into being the top leader. What advice would you give them? Uh, and especially those who are considering that move and, and trying to weigh that. I guess the first thing I would say is it's very easy to get fixated on the title Mm. and all that comes with it. And it's the wrong focus. And it happens so often. People will get caught up in their title, caught up in their position, caught up in everything that comes along with that title and that position. So for example, one of the things that I learned on the way up is Asking a question is so important. I have learned so much by asking questions and listening to the answer. 
And yet there are a lot of people who get to the top and think, I can't ask any more questions. I'm the leader. I now have to give all the answers. And it's a fatal mistake. There are times when the person who is the leader by position and title and power must make a decision that only they can make. In that sense, they are giving the answer. But there are so many other times when it is far more effective to be humble enough to say, you know, I don't have all the answers and others perhaps can teach me something here to have the confidence to actually collaborate with other people instead of acting like you know it all. Um, The things that I talked about, these characteristics, courage, character, collaboration, seeing possibilities. When you get to be in the top spot, don't forget any of those things. And in particular, courage gets to be really important because you're going to take a lot of incoming. Doesn't matter who you are. (laughs) You know, being the first, Mm -hmm. if you're different, if you're the first, you take a lot more incoming. Criticism is the price of leadership. So if you're actually going to solve problems, if you're going to change the order of things for the better, then you're going to challenge the status quo and not everybody's going to like that and you're going to take criticism. And so you have to be prepared to endure that criticism, uh, to have the courage to see it through and not have it throw you off course. And at the same time, to be humble enough to seek guidance from others when you need it. And we all need it sometimes. So would that guidance, you say, come, should it come from individuals outside of the church or is it more the relationship with the board or with that leadership team? Well, all of the above. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, it certainly could come from people outside of the church that a leader or aspiring leader has known or, and who knows them, you know, we use the term mentor now, but I, I would just say that all of us need people who know us well enough and care enough about us to tell us the truth always, whether we want to hear it or not. And so if whoever someone has in their life who lifts them up, who cares about them and who tells them the truth, those people remain very important of course, the relationship with a board is important. The relationship with the leadership team is important. But you don't become a different person just because you have a different title. Sometimes people will expect you to be a different person. Be who you are. Be all of who you are, the best of who you are. But don't suddenly think, I have a title, therefore I'm different than everyone else. How, how do leaders do that when there's so much expectation, though, upon them in those roles? Yes, it's others? true. That, that's the problem. Yeah. There is so much expectation. And specifically, there's so much expectation that you're always going to know the answers. The leader is always going to know. They don't need to ask. They already know. And so you can't succumb to those expectations. Yeah, that's good. If you do, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. The other thing that I think is true. The higher you go in the organization, any organization, doesn't matter if it's a church, a company, the higher you go in any organization, the less people will tell you what you need to hear and the more they will tell you what they think you want to know. Mm. The less people will tell you what you need to hear and the more they will tell you what they think you want 
to know or what you want to hear. And so a leader has to really guard against that because without almost knowing it, the second someone is vaulted into a position that is over other people, other people will start to tell them what they want to hear. And so a leader has to work really hard to seek the truth, to hear the truth, to act on the truth really hard. Yeah. The other thing that happens, by the way, the higher you go in an organization, the more opportunities there are to sell your soul. Hmm. They're presented to you all the time. Well, budget just a little bit. Uh, You know, (laughs) the more opportunities there are to sell your soul. And it's why so many people, by the time they get to the top, don't have much soul left. Wow. Now, before we get into the next question, I wanted to share how today's episode is brought to you in part by Ministry Grid. You know, training your volunteers and leaders is important, but do you ever feel like you don't know where to start? Well, that's why we at Lifeway Leadership developed Ministry Grid. With Ministry Grid's library of over 3,000 training videos, the work has been done for you and you'll be able to train everyone in your church. So this is training you can trust. Each Ministry Grid video features an experienced ministry leader who has been where you are now. You can even customize the training, all of our training, by adding your own videos on top of them, replacing our videos with your videos, PDFs, YouTube videos. I mean, it's fully customized. And now Ministry Grid has one plan with one price that gives you unlimited access to train your entire church. So just go to ministrygrid.com to learn more. Once again, that's Ministry Grid. Now back to the interview. Now, Carly, you mentioned that it's it's you and your husband with your dogs at home. Uh, what is what does leadership in your home look like now? And, and what did it look like when your kids were in the home? Well, you know, I'm very, uh, in a way, it it looks the same. That's an interesting question. I'm very blessed to have married a man 37 years ago who, in a way, knew me better than I knew myself when he first met me. I mean, he had such, um, his name is Frank, my husband. He had such faith in my potential And so he has all, we've always been real partners Mm. in every way, in every way. And that remains the case today. There are things that he does that I can't do. There are things that I do that he can't do, but uh, it is a true partnership. Sometimes, by the way, that means we fight like cats and dogs, as my team (laughs) knows. I mean, they just sort of laugh when we start at it, (laughs) but there never fights about the big things, Mm. you know, the big things we all agree on their fights on the stupid little things that sometimes happen when you have um, equals and peers who butt heads Mm -hmm. as we all do sometimes. Mm -hmm. Now, how about uh, with, with your children? What, what is, what is the relationship look like now? Cause they're out of the home. So how does that, what does parenting look like for you and leadership? Well, um, We sadly lost our younger daughter. So we have, uh, she was taken from us by the demons of addiction. Mm. And uh, so we have uh, our older daughter, Tracy, and two granddaughters. And I think, um, you know, grandparenting is different than parenting. It's a different role. I like to say that uh, it's sort of the payoff 
for parenting. You know, when you're a parent, you sometimes have to be the bad cop. Yeah. And when you're a grandparent, you really don't have to be the bad cop. That's not your role. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you can be, I try to be uh, a role model. I, I try and show them um, what a life well lived looks like and what character and courage look like. But um, it's mom's job to be the bad cop, mm. <laughs> not mine. <laughs> and that's the payoff. Yeah. How old are the grandkids? They're 14 and 22. Wow. wow. <laughs> Good deal. Well, what would you tell your 20 year old self about preparing to lead? I wouldn't ask the question that way. I, that's why I'm hesitating. I, yeah. I wouldn't say to a 20 year old, you need to prepare to lead <laughs> because I think that that word is very fraught with expectation. Uh, there are a lot of young people who tell me that, you know, they come out of a good school and immediately people are saying, you have to start planning for what, how much money you're going to make and what position you're going to get. And all this stuff that is stuff of expectation and not the essence or the foundation of leadership. And so what I would say to any 20 year old is be courageous, be a person of character and integrity, even when that's hard, be humble enough to ask questions instead of acting like, you know, all the answers have empathy for others. Don't judge people on their appearance or their political beliefs or their circumstances. See possibilities in what's all around you. Those are the same things I talk about in this book. Those foundational aspects of who we are are the things that, that prepare us mm -hmm. to fulfill our potential and provide us with the foundation to stay on a path and live a good life and have impact. Now, Carly, it's, I, I love that. I love that because that's so, uh, that's, that's great advice. And I think it's something that we all need to, to think through and to wrestle through. Uh, but I'm curious to know, Carly, what you were like when you were 20. And if, if that, um, you know, if you were sitting across the table from your 20 year old self, you know, specifically to you, uh, if, if you would say anything else, uh, if, if there'd be any other advice that you would give yourself. Oh yes, there most definitely <laughs> would be. I mean, I, so I was a, uh, goody two shoes, middle child whose core competence was pleasing my parents. Hmm. I was, uh, burdened with everyone's expectations, most especially my parents. I don't mean to suggest I was an unhappy person. I wasn't, but I had all of this um, anxiety about living up to their expectations or making the most of the fact that I went to this big expensive school called Stanford or, you know, I was hung up with looking back on it now, all the wrong things. Mm. And I went off to law school, honestly, because it pleased my parents. It's what they expected. And it was a revelation to me how miserable I was in law school, 
But it was also a revelation to me when I found the courage to go home and say, I quit. I quit. Oh my gosh, I wasn't a quitter. And the next thing out of my father's mouth was, we're so disappointed in you. It was a revelation to me that I felt at peace with that Hmm. and that they still loved me. Hmm. And that was such a freeing experience. And so, no, I didn't know all this stuff at 20 or 22. I had to get off my own plan and find my own way and get on the path, which is why now maybe many decades later, I hope that lots of young people will pick up this book and learn from my mistakes. Well, that's, so good. that's the beautiful thing about what you've captured in this book. Even the, even the chapter, you know, chapter four decisions, your first and foremost important move, moving to chapter five, what are you afraid of? The courage to reclaim your power. So even there, I mean, Carly, how did you, how did you make that courageous decision to, to quit law school, to, you know, have that conversation with your dad, to respond to the disappointment uh, that he shared with you. Yeah, I, you know, um, so I was afraid of so many things at growing up. I, I was afraid of many things in the work world. You know, I was afraid of failing. I was afraid of looking foolish. I was afraid of being dismissed and diminished, which happened to me a lot. And I think, as I try to say in the book, one of the things that I've learned is courage is not the absence of fear. It's being able to move past fear. Mm-hmm. In the case of dropping out of law school, honestly, I think it was, I was so miserable there that after thinking it through, I decided, you know what? It is worse for me to be this unhappy than it is for me to disappoint my dad. I had to go and weigh that out. What's worse? And as I have confronted other things that have scared me, whether it was, you know, my first (laughs) client meeting being held in a strip club because that's where men went or whether it was being diagnosed with cancer or whether it was confronting the reality of our daughter's disease Mm. What I've learned is that when I'm afraid, and we all are, of either something foolish, I'm going to look like an idiot, or something profound, I'm going to lose a child, whatever it is we're afraid of, if we can focus enough to identify our fear, look it in the face, okay, this is what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of looking foolish. I'm afraid of dying. I'm afraid someone I'm going to love is, I love is going to die. When we can face it, say it, I even write them down sometimes. Mm. Then we also have the freedom to take hold of it, to deal with it, to pray for courage, to pray for grace, to seek guidance from people who maybe have gone through something similar It's when we let our fears lurk in the back of our mind, nameless and faceless, that they overpower us. 
Well, I think that's good advice for anybody, no matter what yeah. the age. <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing with us today. Yeah, thank you, Carly. Uh, and we'll just encourage our listeners to go out and pick up the book, uh, Find Your Way. And I, I do think that you'll be very blessed by it. Yes, definitely. Carly, any last words for our listeners before we wrap things up? Well, first, I've just uh, so enjoyed being with both of you. So Todd and Daniel, thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. And, um, I would just add, because we ended on this note of um, courage and fear, um, I would just say to everyone who's listening, we're all afraid of something. Mm. That's one thing I know. Everyone is afraid of something. And so being afraid doesn't distinguish us. What can distinguish us is getting past what we're afraid of, whether it's big or little. Love that. Love that. Well, thank you, Carly. Thank you both. Thanks again for listening to the five leadership questions podcast. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Carly Fiorina. And if you enjoyed that interview, you'll also actually enjoy one of the other podcasts on our network, which is the making disciples podcast with Robbie Gallaty and Chris Swain. They have addressed several very important topics as it relates to discipleship, you know, um, even, even talking about discipleship lessons from Israel as well. So be sure to just look up Making Disciples on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today.